the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are giving you a fairy tale fable look into the lives of our nostalgic past, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are we are uh, going to break down the 1965 Cinderella Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Yes, you heard that correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's uh, we'll we'll get a little bit more into why that's nostalgic for us. We're also going to review the late '80s romantic fantasy Beauty and the Beast, which was a, a one-hour drama. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to be doing a fan casting of one of my all-time favorite comic book series, Fables. I believe I've mentioned it maybe a couple times about how I'm into this uh, this series, and I'm actually I'm really excited even just doing this fan casting has gotten me back into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to like, I'm going to reread all of them. Now, granted, I have about three fifths of the the whole series. I need to get the last two fifths, um, but I'm just going to start reading and then I'll just buy when I do it. So I'm excited about it. Excited about that. I need to spend my money on other stuff other than whiskey <laughs> right now. I have John, I have third. Well, I technically I have 34 whiskeys because one of them I left at your house um, <laughs> all the way across the country. Um, but you know, it's for when I want but I like, I like tasting new things and whatnot, but you know what? Maybe I should get back into because I should get back into um, collecting some comics and buy and finish off the Fable series. You know, yeah. I have that collector's mentality. I buy a fuck ton. I have a fuck ton of DVDs <laughs> like right beside me. And then when I stopped doing that, I was reading a whole bunch of comics, and so I started reading a whole bunch of comics and collecting those and, and trade paperbacks. And then now, as an adult, I'm like, hey, I can drink whiskey. I like you know doing tasting notes and little like <laughs> blind tastings for myself and things like that. And that's kind of fun and cute. Yeah, but. <laughs> You know, I, unlike you, I don't have to buy diapers and food for children and things like that right I now. I haven't had so. to buy diapers in a long time. Well, well, yes, your kids are are a bit older now. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, all right. They can control their bowels. They can. Good for them. You know, I'm so proud. What a proud uncle I am that they can they can control their bowels. <laughs> good, good for those kids. <laughs> Not me. I shit myself the other day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, 1965. Wow, John. I was negative 20. You were negative 15. We're so nostalgic for that year. I, you know, I know, I know we totally remember it. Uh, no. Uh, could you uh, kind of take our mind, set us into that era, if you don't mind? So the movie came out on February 22nd of 1965. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week uh, was a song um, that I definitely remember called This Diamond Ring by Gary Lewis and the Playboys. This diamond ring can be something beautiful And this diamond ring can be dreams that are coming true And then your heart won't have to break my mind If there's love behind it Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, I absolutely remember that one. That is a good song. It was definitely a staple of oldies radio when we were growing yeah. up. Um, and I have a very particular fond memory of this um, song. Uh, Adam, do you remember there was a, a house we lived in um, where the guest rooms or where our rooms were in a separate building from the main house? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Dad lived there not not 
a long time, but I remember en- enough when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember yeah. it. We called it the greenhouse. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's right. The greenhouse. And uh, I remember one time that song came on the radio, and I don't really remember why we had the radio on, because music didn't play a lot in the house. It was more of a car thing. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. We, we usually watched TV with Dad as opposed to like a whole bunch of music. Music was music in the house was more of our mom's thing. Yeah. Um, but that song came on, and for some reason, Dad was feeling particularly silly and started kind of <laughs> miming along with the song. Nice. And just kind of like kind of dancing around the room a little bit. And it was, I remember we were all laughing. It was goofy. And this was a while back because this was before we moved to Pennsylvania. So this was before that was in eighth grade. So this was probably like seventh grade, maybe sixth grade at best. Yeah. And I, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Because I was, I was even five years younger than that. So, yeah. So anyway, it's just a memory I have, uh, I've had of that song. So it was kind of cute to see it come up for this. Cool. That's awesome. I love that one, you know, yeah. Well, hell, you know, or one random song that happened to come out the exact same time as this Cinderella movie, and it just it sparks something for you. Yeah. That's great. Uh, no surprise, topping the Nielsen ratings, a show that we've actually talked about on this show called Bonanza. Yeah. Great show. Uh, well, that was a, a great episode, too, that we did. If anyone's yes. never listened to that episode, we talked about Bonanza and Billy Jack with our dad, and that's yeah. probably one of my more favorite episodes. Yeah, I, I I do. I love that episode doing it with Dad. I don't foresee Dad really wanting to do another episode yeah. with us. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he had a great time, um, but it was fun. It was great. It was fun for us to talk with him about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Topping the New York Times bestseller is a book I've never heard of called Herzog by Sal Bellow. I have no idea what it's about. Okay. I didn't even no. bother to look. Yeah, no chance. And obviously there were no video games at this time. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> I did not look for a video game. However, I did find a board game that came out around this time that we did play, and I still play to this day a little bit with my kids. I think they've kind of outgrown it a little bit. Or actually, they've grown as frustrated with it as we did when we were kids trying to play it, and that is Pop-O-Matic Trouble. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember Trouble, but then it was specifically in the center. You had that little bubble that yeah. you, you popped down. <laughs> you popped. And then they get frustrated because when their person gets landed on, it has to go back to home base. And Yeah. <sighs> it's frustrating. Yeah. Your kids get very frustrated at uh, when they, whenever games aren't easy for them. Now, granted, I will say, all right, so I was over at your house uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. They created their own game. They're very, you know, creative. They're kids, imaginary, imaginative, creative kids. Um, And they created their own board game because you guys are big board game people. You have whole shelves of board games, (laughs) which are which is awesome. And I love that. Anytime I come over, it's just expected every night we're going to play some board games. I love that. Um, But so your kids created their own. And oh, God, what was it called? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. Uh bad situation bad yes bad situation you're in a bad yeah your kids kept going you're in a bad situation <laughs> uh, i was like yeah so i was we were playing the game and literally it's just it's just a you know you you go down this path trying to get from one destination you you win when you kind of get to this grocery store or, yeah. or home or when whatever, you get basically. to the end yeah yeah when you get to the end but if you land on certain spots so a bad situation will happen. Now, your kids didn't really think about fairness. What, <laughs> what they did was almost uh, over half of the board were bad situation landing things yes. or landing spots. And then every, I would say 90% of the cards were all go back to start. 
Right. Go back, you know, it was, no matter where you were on this, on this board, it was go back to start. It was like, it's, it's, it was damn near impossible. Yeah. Well, Actually, it was impossible right. until we said, hey, maybe you should make this a little easier. And then they reworked it. Well, and I didn't get to play it until after you uh, and my wife kind yeah. of told them that. And so they changed all the cards to like go back three spaces. And uh-huh. so I played it with my daughter first, just me and her. And I... I couldn't get out of the beginning because every oh. every time I rolled, I landed in a bad situation, had to go back three yeah. spaces. When I finally got out of that, then I started to make yes. headway. But like yeah. the first half of playing the game was me just trying to get out of home base. Yeah. Yep. So they, they have a, a good ways to go um, if they're going to be, you know, creating their own board game and selling it to Milton Bradley and making millions of dollars. Right. So. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. Exactly. And my last little thing about 1965 was around this time, uh, a Mr. Hugh Hefner threw a Batman-themed party, which was attended by an ABC executive who ended up being the one pitching the Batman 66 show. Oh, whoa. So we really so have Hef- Hugh Hefner to yeah. thank for ba- <laughs> for Batman that's 66. Cute. I like it. Man, that's awesome. All right. That's awesome. That was 1965. Yeah. All right. Well, now we are going to fairy dust our way into this episode. Cinderella, the Rodgers and Hammerstein version from 1965. This film was directed by Charles S. Dubin. Um, He's directed a lot of other TV things. um, Mm. Episodes of Matlock, MASH, Kojak, Hawaii Five-O, and many, many more things, but he's not really a big film director. This was executive produced by Richard Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein. Hammerstein passed away back in 1960. Mm. Um, they did do important, you know, multiple classic musicals. At least we call them classical classic musicals now. Things like Oklahoma Carousel, Car- Carousel, and Sound of Music are all Rogers and Hammerstein. So those are some big names in uh, Broadway and you know, kind of film musicals. Yeah. There have been three different versions of the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella that have made it to TV. Um, the first one was actually in 1957, and it starred Julie Andrews. Oh, wow. And then this one from 65. And then there was another one that is actually pretty nostalgic, and a lot of people around my age, I think, probably appreciate it, is the 1997 version that starred Brandy was also based off this. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember that one at all. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kids, kids my age or a little younger would absolutely remember it. So uh, the cast for this film, Cinderella, is played by Leslie Ann Warren. This is her very first feature credit. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done plenty of other stuff. She was in an episode of Gunsmoke. She's been in the Mission Impossible TV show back in the day, Desperate Housewives. But there's one thing that you and I absolutely re- remember her from more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And that is the movie Clue, where she plays Miss Scarlet. Yeah. I was kind of shocked when I first found that out. And I think I found that out like a little while ago. But mm-hmm. when I, I looked at her credits, I was kind of, you know, just doing a, a late night search on stuff mm-hmm. and just went down a rabbit hole. I was like, I wonder what other stuff she's been in. Because I remember for the longest time, before I looked it up, I always thought that was Susan Sarandon. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, they have, they have, oh, yeah, oh, the, in the movie Clue. In the movie Clue, yes. Th- yes, they absolutely have similar looks. Yeah. So when I found out it wasn't, wasn't uh, Sarandon, I looked it up, and then I was like, "Oh my god, she was in that movie." She was in like yeah. I was like mentally freaking yeah. out, like I cannot believe this because to me, between like nineteen eighty 
five or six or whatever the movie came out clue and then Mm -hmm. 65 seemed like such big distances but it was it was only like 15 20 years which in the grand scheme of 65 and 85 are actually 20 years exactly (laughs) well i couldn't remember exactly when the release date of clue was so fair enough oh yeah 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 (laughs) i think it was um honestly 85 okay so but and and you know now that i'm older i've turned 40 this year you know, when I was 20, 20 years seemed like a lot because you do a lot of growing in the first 20 years. But yeah. the second half of the 20 years, I'm like, God, this has gone by fast. 20 years does not feel like it's been a long time. Yeah. So. Maybe maybe when I'm as old as you are, John, I'll think the same. You're not. You're only five years away from it. <laughs> I know. I'm not far behind. Uh, okay. Our uh, prince, played by Stuart Damon. He is definitely a big soap opera dude. Yeah. He has been in 350 episodes of General Hospital. He was in the Carrot Top movie, Chairman of the Board. <laughs> if you, I don't think either of us actually saw the movie, but I absolutely remember it being a thing. Um, and this was also his first feature-length um, film. Okay. So good for him. The Stepmother was played by Joe Van Fleet. She has been in some classics like East of Eden, Cool Hand Luke and Gunfight at the OK Corral. Yeah. So some absolute uh, memorable films there. The Fairy Godmother is played by Celeste Holm. Uh, she won an Academy Award for her performance in The Gentleman's Agreement. She's been on Broadway um, for the Broadway version of Oklahoma and just lots of other screen and theater shows for her. Yeah. Uh, Prunella, one of the ugly stepsisters, was played by Pat Carroll. Uh, she has done a bunch of different things, but really, the only thing that really stood out for me, yeah. she voiced Ursula on Little Mermaid in the Little Mermaid movie, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then Esmer- Esmeralda, the other ugly stepsister, the skinnier of the two stepsisters, I believe, um, was played by Celeste Ruick, who she was in the movie Carousel. Um, if you another so Rogers and Hammerstein, right. uh, another musical with that. Uh, this was actually her second to last credit. She was married to John Williams. Oh, wow. In 1956, she married John Williams, and she is the mother of Joseph Williams, who was the lead singer of Toto. Wow. Okay. For a while. So, yeah. So, she's pretty awesome. Uh, the King is played by Walter Pigeon. He has been in other kind of classic stuff. Uh, Forbidden Planet, Funny Girl, How Green Was My Valley, Too Hot to Handle. A lot of old classic movies yeah. that, you know, old people like. Uh, and then the queen was played by Ginger Rogers, very famous singer and dancer, um, for screen. Yeah. She won an Academy Award for best actress in, uh, Kitty, Kitty Foyle. Um, and, but she's probably most remembered for the musical film she did with Fred Astaire. Yeah. As well. She, so. and it's weird cause she gets top billing in this. She's the first name that pops up and it's probably yeah. cause she's the most known name, but she's yes. playing a very small part. Yeah, exactly. She she comes in every now and then, but I guess it's, I mean, at that time, you know, yeah. she was definitely a huge name, and Leslie Ann Warren and Stuart Damon, both, this was their first feature, so like yeah. they, they were, even even the credit said introducing um, Leslie Ann Warren at the beginning, and so. I can't remember who, uh, Stuart, Stuart Damon was actually a last minute replacement. Somebody else oh, was slated okay. to do it, and I can't remember, it wasn't anyone I recognized the name of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so he came in. Apparently, Stu Damon was a big uh, Broadway guy at the time. He was a big stage guy. Gotcha. Makes sense. I mean, yeah, he had to quite, quite a bit of singing. Everybody had to do some singing and some minor dancing Yeah. in this one as well. So uh, as you mentioned, the first broadcast was February 22nd, 1965. His TV movie was rebroadcast eight times throughout February 1974. 
1965 debut had a Nielsen rating of 42.3, making it the highest rated non-sports special on CBS from the beginning of the Nielsen ratings until 2009. Wow. So this was a big thing yeah. that they did for a long time. And it was the 50th highest rated show of any kind during that period. Yeah. So we should yeah, probably was- talk about why, why this one. Uh, so it's absolutely going to go into okay. that next, John. That's perfect. So Cinderella, most people would think there's a Disney cartoon right. that was very popular. Why aren't you guys doing that? Well, I think we actually did own that one as well. Yeah. Potentially that VHS, but we absolutely had a VHS of this Rogers and Hammerstein version when we were kids. I don't know why we had it. I, I mean, I guess I do. I mean, it, I call actually called our mom and I, I called her and I was like, hey, mom, why did we have this VHS? And she's like, Adam, we didn't have that VHS. And I'm like, mom, we had the fucking VHS for the Rogers. And she's like, no, no, no. You're thinking of the Disney one. I'm like, mom, are you fucking shitting me? No. And so then I called my sister and I was like, Abby, we had the VHS for the Rogers. And she's like, yeah, I think so. I was like, well, let me look at the DVD at the uh, VHS box. and I'll send you a picture, you know, I'll just find some something online. I sent it to her. And Abby was like, yes, we absolutely had that. I called back mom. See, mom, Abby said we had it. <laughs> she I mean, that was exactly how it went down, <laughs> but but yeah. So we had this box, and I, I do I remember it's kind of like just this hand drawn thing, and I remember it kind of maybe beaten beaten to crap a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah. We Abby, our sister, played this not to death, but she no. absolutely enjoyed this one. Yeah, I think it was. I, I was discussing this with with my kids as we were watching it, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that you know, especially when she was younger. When it was, I think we would take turns picking a movie sometimes. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you get to pick a movie tonight and you get to pick it. And I'm pretty sure Abby would pick this one pretty regularly. I mean, she picked it enough that I absolutely was like remembering songs that I hadn't heard in decades, like immediately. (laughs) True. Yeah. Um, So... I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we first had it because mom probably watched it as a kid if it came out in 65 and replayed like, you know, once a year or something for a while. You know, I got that impression because uh, when I started watching it, I posted a picture saying that I was watching it and one of our aunts posted that it was a family classic. Uh, okay. So I wonder if it was something that maybe they did watch, you know, they they had scheduled viewings ever, whenever it came on TV. That absolutely makes sense. And it's a family of, uh, you know, Two boys and, and four girls, right. and so they probably would get together and, and, and watch it. Absolutely. I could see all the ants yeah. doing that. So, um, All right. Anything else, John, before we get into the film? Not off the top of my head yet. Okay. We start off. Our prince is returning to the land. He stops at this cottage, and he meets the shy Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella doesn't know at first that this is the prince, and he asks her for water, and he gets it. she gets it for him. I had a weird nostalgic moment at this point mm. <laughs> where, yes, um, a couple of different things. One, the first thing that came out at me, holy shit, that set. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's hideous. <laughs> it's absolutely hideous. It looks like a high school production. Exactly. <laughs> everything, everything in this entire film is on a soundstage. Yeah. It is not... They don't, there is no natural light. You, they don't shoot outside. They don't, you know, get any real big vistas or anything. Like that. It is. They really do make it like it's a theater, you know, yeah. just with a, you know, a shot on, on film or shot, not on film, but, you know, shot for TV. Yes. But the, the, the kind of the colors and the whole look of it, I was just like, holy crap, that, that 
does kind of come back. I also had a very weird nostalgia moment of the um, when she hands him the water, him drinking out of like the big ladle. Yeah. I, I I remember kind of being like, that's a weird thing to drink water out of because <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, that you don't think about that. Right. Now you're like, okay, yeah, that's that was fine. It's a what, thing for the day. It's, it's what they it's had. Fantasy. Yeah. It's what they had. But I absolutely remember I kind of shot back to when I was a kid, like the weird fucking ladle who drinks out of a ladle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we do find out why is she called Cinderella? I actually had no idea why Cinderella is called Cinderella. Because she says, because I sit among the ashes, that she sits among the ashes. The the word Cinderella is of French origin and its meaning is little ashes. So Cinder, obviously Ella mm-hmm. kind of being, you know, the, the, the combination of little and so little ashes. So that's cool because she sits by them to stay warm because she sleeps in the cold attic. See, we learned something. Yeah, I, I actually I really appreciated that. <laughs> The uh, the prince leaves and, uh, you know, they say your highness. So she realizes who it was um, as as the prince thinks about finding his love. We then get the first song because, you know, he's a part of his duty. He's a prince. He's got to find love is a, a song called Loneliness of Evening. I wake in the loneliness of sunrise when the deep purple heaven turns blue. And there's a lot of songs that are going to be coming up if yeah. it's a musical. And so I'll just probably pop those in. Um, you know, ev- most everybody who's listening to this probably knows the story of Cinderella. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit in between things and, and a lot of bit of the musicals. So in town, our prince returns and the people cheer. Uh, we see the king and queen, all that kind of stuff. We're just kind of setting up that world. Oh, uh, we cut back. Adam, I wanted to interject with something. I actually, I, it, this, it sparked, when you said that it sparked something and then I had to look it up to make sure I was right. Mm-hmm. So the song loneliness of evening was not originally intended for this musical. It was actually supposed to be in oh. South Pacific. Oh, okay. And they cut it from South Pacific. And so they recycled it for Cinderella. Yeah. Okay. I would say most, all of these songs I'm meh on. Yeah. There's really only one song and we'll get to it. And I'm sure you already know which one it is. Oh yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, It's the one I probably could have started singing before you even told me we were going to be watching this movie. Oh my God. It's the catchiest (laughs) fuck. All right. Yeah. I I, I got a story about that. (laughs) Okay. All right. uh, Back at the house, we then meet the stepmother and the stepsisters and spoiler alert, they suck. (laughs) <laughs> They're mean people. They're mean people to Cinderella. Um, the stepmother wants one of her daughters, one of her real daughters, not her stepdaughter, uh, to marry the prince. We also find, see that Cinderella gets grounded for helping. She kind of mentions that she helped a traveler with the water, and she gets grounded for that. And um, we get another song of her kind of sitting in her own little corner. In my own little corner, in my own little chair, I can be whatever I want to be On the wings of my fancy I can fly anywhere And the world will open its arms to me I kind of like this song. We'll get a little reprise from it in a little bit. We see, because the prince hasn't found his love, the king is like, hey man, you need an heir. That's important. So we're going to throw a ball so you can find love. Because that's how everyone... In the medieval, uh, you know, fantasy times, that's how you find love is 
basically by doing a um, bachelorette style <laughs> reality show. That's pretty much what a ball is right there. Like that. actually, <laughs> that's, that's actually, this is probably more forgiving of what really happened, which was you were just told this is who you're going to marry and you didn't yeah. get a choice and you probably met them on your wedding day. Yeah. As they were all very political moves to try and gain land or gain power or other stuff like that. Yep. So they at least let him choose between a couple people who, could, yeah. based but, on their looks and dancing and, ability. And they didn't even make him, he didn't have to marry a princess. That's right. They said anyone from his kingdom. Yeah. That's yeah. That is kind of strange because it's usually, yeah, it, could, it didn't have to be someone else of, of wealth or power. Just, yeah. Okay. We then get a, a, a little song around town about the, about the prince throwing this ball. The prince is giving a ball. The prince is giving a ball. The prince is giving a ball. His royal highness, Christopher Rupert, Windermere, Vladimir, Carl Alexander, Francois Reginald, Lancelot Herman, And then uh, the stepsisters are all getting ready. They're wearing another thing, another nostalgic moment here. When they when they are kind of prepping and they're getting themselves ready, the headdresses that these two are wearing are just ridiculous. And I absolutely be like, oh god, I remember those things. Yeah. I mean, they look like those Cinderella fantasy medieval headdresses, like with the big points or like the two kind of. They almost look like horns, but yeah. they're, they're just silly. Yeah. Esmeralda's knees, as they're practicing getting ready, you know, to impress the prince, we see as or we hear Esmeralda's knees are creaking. That's something coming back, and the other one flutters flutter her eyes too much. Shit like that. That was actually the moment. Uh, my wife was like, she was kind of half watching this. She was working on something at the time, and um, she 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 was like, well, I don't think I've ever seen this. And then we got to the point where they're talking to the stepsisters, and she's talking to the second one. And before it happened, she goes. Her knees are going to creak. And then it happened. She was like, I do remember this one. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, this is this is a nostalgic film for definitely more than just our family. Yeah. So, hopefully some other people, you know, around our age have seen this or, you know, probably your wife's parents saw this and yeah. showed it to her or, or something like I that. I have to say, uh, when I made that initial post just saying that I was watching it, a lot more people than I thought commented that it was a, something that they remembered and that they loved. That's that's fantastic. I mean, that 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 is the lifelong tradition of forcing your own nostalgia on your kids <laughs> exactly like, oh, you're doing it <laughs> exactly <laughs> i will be doing it <laughs> so we've all had it so uh carriage comes for the sisters and they head out for the ball we have a sad cinderella she sings more a little bit more about her own little corner um but then in comes our fairy godmother you know oh yay a fairy godmother there to protect her I wonder where has she been all this time when the the mean mother has been around. Like, why weren't you protecting her from you know the wench? Right. Um, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, but the fairy godmother she gathers some mice and a pumpkin and a rat, um, and it just oh my gosh, John, turning all this stuff into a grand uh, carriage and all this stuff. It just seems so impossible. 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 And we get a song about exactly that. It's impossible. Impossible. For a plain yellow pumpkin to become a golden carriage, impossible. For a plain country bumpkin and a prince to join in marriage, and four white mice will never be four white horses. Such folly, roll and fiddle dee of course is impossible. To me, easily the most catchy, recognizable song from this film. Oh yeah. 
yeah this this is the one like this is the song like to this day i will still think of impossible i will say it that way almost almost 90 percent of the times i hear the word impossible in my head i go impossible and, and i can tell you i so i, I called mom mm-hmm. talking about this this uh movie and all this stuff and i even kind of like you know said the impossible to her two days later she texted me back and said God damn it, Adam. I've had impossible stuck in my head <laughs> since then. You know, for a plain yellow pumpkin to become a golden carriage. Impossible. And I was just like, I'm sorry, but that song is so catchy. Yeah. And actually, I've had... It's funny which ones we latch on to, because I've also had that song stuck in my head for a long time, but not the word impossible. It's the second one when it comes back when she's in the oh. carriage and she resings it. It's possible. Yeah. And so anytime anyone says something, anyone says it's possible, you know, or you ask, hey, can we do something? Well, it's possible. In my head, I start going, it's possible. And okay. so it's it's been that one that I've latched on to <laughs> instead of the impossible one. It's the same, it's the same, uh, you know, uh, inflection, the same, same, the way same melody, it, just, just yes. slightly different words. So she, uh, Cinderella gets her carriage, she gets her horses and driver and driver and whatnot, but she still needs... A makeover. (laughs) In come the queer eye for the straight guy boys, and they give her a whole makeover. I'm just kidding. The fairy godmother does her thing, and uh, she gets that too, looking looking all princessy. But along with this, she also gets some glass slippers, which to me don't seem very safe. Uh, I would imagine that just that doesn't that seems like they would break. You know? Yeah. I mean, for uh, they were in real life, they were made out of plastic. Okay, that makes sense. But glass, yeah, glass, glass could could fuck up her feet if they broke or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, no. But apparently they were fitted to her feet, and she could dance on them. Oh, okay, all right. Um, and she's also told that she has to leave by midnight. Uh, all that kind of jazz. Everyone knows this story. No. I would imagine. Uh, and so the godmother leaves. We then get a flip on the last song, exactly as you called it. This time, it's possible. It's possible for a plain yellow pumpkin to become a golden. It's possible for a plain country bumpkin and a prince to join in marriage. And four white mice are easily turned to horses. Such father all and fiddle-dee-dee. It's cute. I like that little flip. I and do actually too. you're probably right. The the way that she the way that I say impossible is probably more so the, the she gives a little extra inflection on the it's possible. So I probably just kind of merge them a little in my head, but yeah. I always do it with impossible. Did you see that graphic Adam, while they were flying? With that, I was just going to say, we get some of the most amazing animation. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we've talked about how bad these graphics are since maybe the Vortex in, um, uh, what was it, uh, Monster Squad? Monster. I remember Corey ripping that one to shreds. But this right here, this is, this is I mean, literally, it's like paper mache. Yeah. They're just kind of dancing a little bit across the uh, the camera. It's rough, the, I mean, but it's the, you have to think back, 1965. The animation in South Park is more eloquent yeah. than that Easy, like, We're talking the first episode of South Park when they used cardboard paper or or uh, whatever it was, um, construction paper. Yeah. But yeah, not... <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, it looks like... It looks like one of the like a toy carriage with a horse where the the parts move the same way either yeah. time. I mean that's literally what it looks like because the horses like you know just two of the legs move and they move the mm-hmm. same way both times, but the <laughs> knees don't bend. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure back in 1965 the audience was like, "Ooh, ah, <laughs> that's a real horse going." I mean, I hope not. I hope people weren't that dumb. <laughs> but I'm sure not. 
but I'm yeah. sure they were suspending disbelief for yeah. they know. It's rough. It's rough, but it's okay. Uh, all right. At the ball, the stepsisters are failing at flirting with the prince. Um, you know, one of them says something stupid and flutters her eyes. The others has the creaky knees. The prince is just not having a good time. But then Cinderella arrives to much fanfare, and immediately the prince is smitten. Uh, a song is kind of playing as they waltz gloriously around the dance floor. Uh, the prince then starts singing to her a song about, you know, really his feelings towards her. Ten minutes ago I saw you. I looked up when you came through the door. My head started reeling. You gave me the feeling the room had no ceiling or floor. Ten minutes ago I met you and we murmured our how do you do's. I wanted to ring out the bells and fling out my arms and to sing out the news. And, you know, they sing back and whatnot and then they dance. Really, they end up dancing into the night. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful, wonderful tale. Happens to all of us. Uh, the stepsisters have then a song called uh, The Stepsisters Lament. Why would a fellow want a girl like her? A frail and floppy beauty. Why can't a fellow ever once prefer a solid girl like me? She's a faulty little bubble with a flimsy kind of charm. And with very little trouble, I could break her little arm. Oh, oh. <laughs> and it's basically it's basically just a song of them being pissed and jealous right. all that kind of shit I do like the uh, part way through in the in the lines of that song they're like with very little trouble I could break her arm like they're all just they're just jealous and they're talking about how they could fuck this person up they can't they can't tell it's Cinderella I have no idea why <laughs> uh, I don't get that it's not like she changed her hair color she just put on some nice clothes and wiped her face right um it's the Clark Kent but, syndrome Exactly. She cleaned her a face, and all of a sudden, they can't tell who she is. Yeah. So, uh, but oh shit, John! It's midnight. Cinderella needs to go, but the prince—he doesn't want her to go. He sings her a song. Do I love you because you're beautiful, or are you beautiful because I love? Am I making believe I see in you a girl too lovely to be really true? And then the clock rings again, and she runs off, her clothing then returning back to rags, uh, but a glass slipper falls off, and here I call bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I call Bullshit. Now, I'm sure this has been presented to many different times throughout many different Cinderella editions. Why? Why does her shoe that's on her return back to a regular shoe, but the glass slipper that falls off remains a glass slipper? That makes zero sense in the continuity in the world uh, that the fairy godmother set up. How and why? Tell me. Explain. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I, I wish... I wish I had a better explanation. I mean, you could say, well, the shoe fell off her, but then what about the coach and the horses? They weren't attached yeah. to her. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's a it's it's a plot hole. It's definitely a plot it's a hole. Plot, yes. 
Definitely a plot hole. Will I'll assume that the fairy godmother w- knew that was going to happen, and she specifically, you know, it's her job to try and get the prince to love her, and so that this is uh, how why she kept that one a glass lover. But it is it's a confusing, uh, an anger inducing plot hole. But it's okay. Um, so Cinderella at the house reminisces about the wonderful night she had, uh, and then her family returns and they talk all about the evening, things like that. Cinderella mentions. Uh, her thoughts and that, you know, she kind of, you know, oh, if I was there, uh, it, w- it would have, you know, her imagination of how it would be. And she even sings about, you know, what it would be like. But we secretly know that she was actually there. Yeah. When you're driving through the moonlight on a highway, when you're driving through the moonlight to a dance, you are breathless with a wild anticipation of adventure and excitement and romance. You see the towers of the palace silhouetted on the sky above the park. The stepmother, the stepmother ends the whole song by basically yelling at Cinderella and handing her a broom, saying, "Get back to work." <laughs> that kind of shit. She's just man. She's she's a bee. <laughs> that stepmother. I mean, that's the whole point. But uh, right. uh, and then we get another song about how lovely of a night that she had. A lovely night. A lovely night. A finer night you know you'll never see You meet your prince A charming prince As charming as a prince will ever be The prince, we cut back to him And he's curious where the girl of his dreams has gone Oh, where has this wonderful person gone? Even though I just met her, you know, not that long ago when I returned and, you know, I guess he couldn't recognize her either, but exactly. Uh, the king and queen are a little unsure, or you know, but at the same time, they think he should go after her and find her. Uh, so we get a little small reprise of that beautiful song. Um, but ultimately, he decides that he will go on the search to find his bride, uh, to find the girl who fits this glass slipper. He tries different things. He eventually makes his way to their little cottage. And the stepsister, the stepsisters try on the slipper. Of course, it doesn't fit. Then the fairy godmother swings by to bring some little motivation to Cinderella, who's not <laughs> feeling that she's, I don't know, awesome enough, or you know, she, she's, she's, I mean, she's, she's in the cottage. The all the this the stepmother is super mean to her, and so she's not sure she should try it. But she offers, or she kind of motivates Cinderella to offer him some water, like she did before. So she does that as a kind of little like, hey, hey, remember me? Uh, and he looks straight at her again doesn't recognize her <laughs> from this love of his life with a little bit of dirt doesn't recognize her you know what i also don't understand is how he didn't at first recognize like the house like yeah, he had such exactly. a memorable encounter and it wasn't it exactly. didn't even feel like it was that long ago even if it even if it had been a year yeah it seems like he should have remembered that i agree so uh the stepmother I literally like the stepmother tries to like yell at Cinderella for offering him water, and the prince is just like, "Whoa!" And he just fucking shoots her down. He's yeah. just like, "Shut up, woman!" He, he I, says silence. That's right. That's yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> like he just immediately is like, "Nope." <laughs> uh, and so he has Cinderella try on the slipper. It's a match. Oh fuck! <laughs> now the makeover comes back, and she's all hot again, or whatever. And uh, he's all excited. And they head to town. Cinderella meets with the king and queen. It's glorious. Impossible things happen every day, John. Nice little quote about that. Impossible things are happening. 
I'll and, and we're kind of we're at the end. This is this is probably the fastest I've gotten through a movie. <laughs> well, there wasn't but much there is, to it. There, there is not much to it. There's a lot of singing and a lot of songs. So I'm going to cut in quite a bit of those songs yeah. as I mentioned. But I will say I only wish at the end. I even kind of see the stepmother and the and the stepsisters like walking in line, following them. Yeah. I I wanted like a, a nice little fuck off at the end for them. <laughs> I wanted I wanted them to get some comeuppance, but they didn't get shit. No. Not in the movies, but if you read the fairy tale, I'm pretty sure they get some comeuppance. Okay. All right. Good. But yeah, not not for this nice little movie. My understanding yeah, I, is I, that the fairy tale ver- the actual fairy tale version is much darker. Okay. Well, very I mean that is typical with a lot of those. I mean they were like written in the dark ages when people fucking hated each other. Those, <laughs> they, those crazy like, Germans and their fairy tales. Damn Germans. Uh okay. That's the end of the movie. Super fast. Mhm. But everyone knows Cinderella. I don't need to go through bit by bit. I even, I even went bit by bit. In this <laughs> fast. It was only, the movie was only an hour and like fifteen minutes or something like that. Right. Anyway, it's from made for TV. So, how about you? Start, did, I, you know what? I got a first question for you, sure. and then I'd love for you to kind of bring your thoughts. So you mentioned this was on. Your wife was on around. So we talked about our sister enjoying this. Did you have your daughter, who isn't like you know super girly, but she likes some girly things? Mm-hmm. Did she watch this movie with y'all? They both. We made both of our kids watch it, but I'm pretty sure she disappeared about halfway through the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> pretty sure she lost interest. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, now, so I guess the question is, did you leave, lose interest or did you stick through the entire <laughs> film? And tell me about your thoughts on it. No, I stuck through the whole thing. Um, I wanted to say, actually, I... I had a little question for you. This is a little trivia uh-huh. question. Okay. Do you know what year the first Cinderella movie ever made came out? Ooh. Well, the Disney one. When the hell was that one? So that was the, the Disney one was 1950. 1950. Okay, so that was 1950. So I'm assuming I was going to say like 40 something for the Disney one because I knew Snow White was 39 and that was the first Disney one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if it's 1950, if it's earlier than that, I'm going to guess like. 37? So there have been, and I didn't even count, probably dozens of tellings of the Cinderella movie, of, of the Cinderella uh-huh. story. Dozens, yeah. in just in film and in animation. Okay. Um, different countries release different versions of it, um, and, and not like, like re-skinning the same, like their own versions. The very first Cinderella movie came out in 1899. Whoa. And was done by a very famous, uh, fil- if you know anything about the history of the film, I uh, was done by a guy named, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, George Millier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of most people, the, yeah, Mol- yeah Mol- Mol- Molier, most people know the um, the moon. Right. That famous moon where you get, get kind of shot in the eye. Right. That's, that's his film. If you've ever seen the movie Hugo, they kind of, yeah. they kind of talk about Millier because he's one of the characters in that film. Okay. So yeah, I, I do. I I haven't seen Hugo in forever, but I remember loving it. It was a good movie. It's a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So Millier is like one of the first like big film guys. He was one of the first things yeah. to figure out you could tell really fun stories. A sto- yeah. With movies. Yep. So yeah. So eighteen ninety nine was the first wow. one, and it was wow. live action, obviously. Yeah. Very cool. Um. Okay. Right. So my thoughts on the film. Uh. It, this whole movie is steeped in nostalgia. I remembered. I I kind of remembered everything going through it. You know, little things would happen. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. The knee creaking, the eye batting. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, the the weird faces that the stepmother would make. She yeah, made a lot of really yeah. weird faces with her eyes usually. Yeah, I mean, it was very 
theatrical. Yeah. It's theater, theater people. Exactly. So it makes sense. And they were presenting it as if they were in a theater, not as mm-hmm. necessarily as if they were you know, in a movie. You can be a lot more subtle when the camera can yep. come up close. True. But um, honestly, it was about as boring as I remember. <laughs> I kind of remembered it being <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, I, yeah. You know, some of the songs, it was fun to revisit. I was like, oh, I kind of remember that. But I mean, I cannot see myself going to rewatch this anytime soon. And I don't think any of my kids really latched onto it mm-hmm. either. They definitely preferred the Disney version. Okay. That would be the only shot for you. Yeah, I would imagine. And same, similar with me. I, I did not really have a good time. <laughs> it was fine. You know, I was like, hey, like a one-off just for the podcast. Yeah. But unless my niece... Is like, oh, I really want to watch that musical again. Or for some reason, our sister is like, hey, let's have a nostalgia night and watch that. Right. And if I can drink a lot of whiskey, maybe I'll do it. <laughs> As I mentioned, I got a good collection. Yeah. Um, I'll drink that. But besides that, I'm not particularly interested. Now, it is. it was cute to go through. I will always have that impossible mm-hmm. um, for you. It's possible in my head. But everything else is so meh. It's just meh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that I'm, it's not for me. Yeah. It's not. So, yeah, bit, bit anticlimactic, but that was our <laughs> review of the Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. All right, now we are going to talk Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, not the Disney version. Again, this is a not Disney version yeah. on everything. <laughs> you know, this should be the not Disney episode, is what we should exactly. Call it. Well, you know, people need to remember Disney doesn't necessarily own the characters that they really no. use they're all very much uh they're public domain public domain characters exactly and that is why i say fuck disney <laughs> yeah that's right john i will say it uh, i love disney for a lot of things but disney uh has abused public domain to make t- now granted these are great stories that were from a long time from a, a while ago from fairy tales and things like that and so they've created all these memorable stories and movies from them They've done that through public domain, but their own characters, which have been around for long enough to now be able to be go into public domain and should be able to be used for other stories and more creative options for artistic things. Right. Disney is fighting that because obviously they want to be able to control their stuff. The, I'm, and I'm like, fuck you. That's just that's you have abused the system one way. And then now when it kind of comes to the time for other people to make art off of yours things. You say they're 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 using they're leveraging their power and their money and their lobbies to fight it and I I don't like it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's very hypocritical. Um, and yes. very famously, <clears throat> I can't remember exactly what it was, but I I want to say like maybe the beginning, uh, trademarking a character or copywriting a character. It was like I think originally it was something like twenty five years after its release or something like that, and then it became like 20 or five years or something after the death of the creator. And then it got pushed back to 75 years after death of the creator. And the biggest reason is because of Disney. Mm-hmm. It, yep. It's really, you know, so, and even, even now when it's coming, it's, it's probably at some point it's going to come up to it again. And probably in our lifetime, they'll probably try and have it lobbied to push back. And at some point we've got to say, okay, enough is yep. enough. Agreed. Absolutely. Fight the power. Yeah. If stories have been around long enough, um, they should be able to, because uh, there are so many creative people out there who could do some really wonderful things mm-hmm. with these yeah. characters. Exactly. We, can, exactly. we can get all new stories that don't have to fit the Disney brand. They can just really branch out. I mean, same kind of things, exactly yeah. as you put it. It's hypocritical. I mean, things that Disney did. Disney's been dead for a long time at this point. 
Oh yeah. I mean, they are a soulless. Um, they're just like they're monopolizing all of our nostalgia, and I don't like that. Yeah, I agree. So, John, that means we're never going to get bought out by a Disney company. Just so you know, <laughs> our podcast is <laughs> we're fucked. We're going to continue not making any money, but oh well. Here's to, here's to hoping for Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Okay. All right. Beauty and the Beast. This is a full uh, an hour length romantic fantasy drama. Uh, it aired from 1987 to 1990. Three seasons, 56 episodes or 55 episodes, depending on if, if you look on Wikipedia or IMDb <laughs> and different ones. I'm not sure which ones were correct. Uh, it first aired on CBS. So again, another CBS uh, show. It was created by Ron Coslow. He has been a producer on a few different things. The Birds of Prey TV show, I recognize. I was like, okay, did that. Um, some other stuff I didn't really recognize. A reboot did start in 2012 for this show. It starred Jay Ryan and Kristen Kruk. Kristen Kruk was in the show Smallville. Mm-hmm. She was um, Lana. Lana, that right? yeah. Yeah, Lane or something yeah. like that. Or Lana, whatever. And that show went for even longer. It was for four seasons 70 episodes, and that was on the CW. The cast on this show, uh, Vincent, Ron Perlman. Yeah. Oh, hell yes. That's the beast. Vincent is our beast, Ron Perlman. And this is really the first thing I think. I don't. I, I looked through his other credits. I don't recognize anything else. But this is the first of that Ron Perlman gets dressed up, heavy makeup, <laughs> heavy other stuff. Like, Ron Perlman's going to gonna look scary and look yeah you know, be a be a monster kind of thing he's obviously hellboy later down the line mm-hmm. um and he's done other kind of creatures like this yeah i feel but he's and he's so, so. good at it though he is that's the thing he, he is fantastic he's so good at the at the sort of the physical movement of, of of you some guys are really good at that like you can put them in makeup and they can just disappear into it yeah they can make the character their own and and it doesn't look like someone in makeup or a mask it looks like their own character yeah agreed uh, Catherine is played by Linda Hamilton. We all know Linda Hamilton from Terminator, Terminator 2, and actually the latest one, Dark Fate. She's fantastic, so she plays our our beauty, if you will, mm-hmm. our main female lead. Uh, Father Wells is a character played by Roy Dotris. He was uh, Mozart's father in the film Amadeus. Yeah. So great actor on that. He actually was also in Hellboy 2. Uh, he was also in Game of Thrones. He plays the creepy wildfire guy um, who... Uh, um, oh, the priest or whatever? Not the priest, uh, but there's this creepy guy who like loves wildfire that um, that Queen Cersei goes to first before before the, the, that, um, the maester, before she kind of gets that other maester to kind of learn it. But they have this... He's like a pyromaniac. Okay. Um, it's, it, he only appeared in two episodes. Okay. So... But if you saw him, you'd probably recognize him. Yeah. Deputy Maxwell in this show is played by Jay Ockavone or Akavone. He's done small parts, nothing else I recognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some small, like, you know, s- nice small part actors. Um, they're, not, they're not small part actors, but they had small parts in this show. Uh, Tony Jay, great voice actor. We've, we've heard from him on plenty of stuff. James Avery, who is mm-hmm. the voice of Shredder. Yeah. We love him, Uncle Phil. Yep. Richard Roundtree, who was Shaft. Oh, yeah. He had a, a small part in this show. Delroy Lindo, who was a great character actor. Uh, Ray Wise actually appeared in episode one of this. Yeah. He's like a, he's always like a mobstery kind of <laughs> Italian smarmy guy. Uh, Dennis Dunn, who was in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, um, yeah. He played Wong. Dean Norris, who was in Breaking Bad. He is actually, Dean Norris, you would probably recognize him, John, from um, uh, Starship Troopers. 
He he played uh, a small part, but you'd you'd recognize. Okay, I can't I can't remember that. Oh wait, did uh, he James play the Hall. did he play the guy who like signed them in and he was like missing his leg and his arm and stuff? He, nah, that was not that guy. This is a different dude. Okay. He's kind of missing. I think part of his like a chipped tooth or something. Oh, okay. You, I, 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 if you checked them out, you'd remember. Okay. James Hong was also did an episode of Beauty and the Beast. James Hong, also from Big Trouble in Little China, also from Seinfeld, a uh, single episode, the Chinese episode. I'm not going to plug it. Everybody knows what I do. Uh, and then um, Mayam Bialik, who was Blossom, yeah. was also in an episode of this show. So uh, the music for Beauty and the Beast was done by Don Davis. Don Davis has done some actual awesome uh, film scores, including Jurassic Park 3. Well, that one's an okay one, whatever, <laughs> Behind Enemy Lines. But he has done all of the Matrix trilogy. Oh, okay. So he's, he has some good shit there. Yeah. Now, the biggest name that is attached with this one. <laughs> do you, you you know where I'm going? I know where you're going. Okay. Well, he's a big dude, but not even just that. But I saw this and I was like, holy crap. It totally makes sense with the fantasy angle. Uh-huh. George R.R. R. Martin wrote 14 episodes and he was a producer for like 30 something episodes on this show. Yep. That's that this is absolutely helped pave the way for some of his fantasy writing and his fantasy, you know, I don't know, world building. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, one I specific once I found that out, I specifically looked out looked uh, searched out one of his episodes to watch. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Well, you have to tell us about that um maybe in a little bit. So apparently this show has a pretty big cult following. And in 2007, TV Guide ranked it as the number 17 top cult TV show. Huh. Uh, which I don't think it would still last yeah. on like a top 20 for cult TV shows, you know, even 13 years later. Yeah. Uh, but just kind of about that, you know, what do you remember about Beauty and the Beast when we were younger? Mostly I remember it being on as a show that probably our dad watched. Yeah. Me too. That's largely I remember. I don't think I ever sort of went out of my way to watch this show. I just think it was one of those shows that was on. Um, he would watch it and we would be stuck watching it because there was only one <laughs> yeah. TV in the house and that was it. Yeah, I, I agree largely with that. It wasn't one that we specifically s- seeked out that we, we were going to go watch it our, you know, um, on, our, at our, on our own volition. Um, but I, I'm, I'm definitely... I guess well, I'm nostalgic to the idea of the show. One, yeah. Cause I love Ron Perlman. I love Linda Hamilton. Uh, so I think it's a cool twist on the idea. It is. So yeah, you're okay. Let's, let's talk about that. Obviously it's not the main story of beauty and the beast. Mm-hmm. They don't even, you know, her name's not beauty. Her name is Catherine. His name's not beast. He's Vincent, mm-hmm. um, or whatever. There's no talking clocks. There's <laughs> no, um, talking candlesticks, which your kids were just in a, a little beauty and the beast, uh, little like kind of, child kid uh, film uh, or not a film but a little stage show. stage show it was cute yeah i saw it it was so cute they've been doing a little bit of acting which has been nice <laughs> yeah it's super cute so uh okay so yeah so as we kind of mentioned this is not the main storyline set back in fantasy olden days this is um linda hamilton or Catherine is a da mm-hmm. basically uh and vincent is kind of like her guardian protector and there's this whole world of not really freaks, um, but just like people who live in the world below mm-hmm. and there's the world above. Now, most of the people in the world below are all humans. Yes. Vincent is really the only freak. He's the only one who is like part animal. Mm-hmm. Do we ever get an explanation on that? I'm not sure that we ever do. Yeah, it, um, in episode one, they she asks him like, 
how are you like that? Or why are you like this? And he says, I have my theories or something like that. And then we never, never get, I don't think we, I agree. I did not watch every episode. Right. Right. But I was curious. I was curious if we kind of knew, I wanted some of that backstory. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch enough episodes to, to get any of that uh, backstory. My, my only thought is, is they wanted Vincent to be unique. So they didn't want to make any other ones to be, uh, you know, standoutish like that. I actually did watch an episode with somebody who was standoutish. And in the end, he didn't up. He didn't end up staying in the area. Mm-hmm. He left. Um, I'm, the other possible reason is budget. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that his dad fucked a lion. <laughs> it's that's one hundred. That's what happened. There's some lion love going on because his. All right. So where Beast in like Disney and other stuff, I don't know. There's a lot of elements. It's kind of hard to pinpoint what kind of creature it is. In this one, you can absolutely tell. The um, main basis of the costume was a lion look. And you know what? Main is the right word to use because, <laughs> God, that hair was 80s glorious. My my wife walked by while I was watching this. She's like, holy shit. They're just trying to make this like a Fabio kind of lion, right? And I'm like, yeah. this is That is a huge head of hair on this <laughs> on Vincent. I do like, though, that they don't make him, like... So, like, in Beauty and the Beast, the Beast is, like, angry and has to learn to love. Vincent yeah. is very compassionate. He actually he actually has... Um, emp- uh, he has a superpower. He has emp- empathic powers. Like, he has, like, super empathy, where he can feel when she's in danger or, like, feel, mm-hmm. her, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, you're right. He, he is super sensitive. And it is it's a different take. I kind of like that. I did. I did too. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I didn't like that. I I thought it was a, a nice yeah. twist on it because after a while, all the anger and shouting just gets old. Yeah. So and you you yeah. can't sustain a character like that throughout a TV show. So Agre- yeah, agreed. making him uh, you know the opposite. I thought was 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 really good, really smart. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely helped. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that lion costume. So. I think it's very believable. They did a really good job. They even had some like close-ups where you kind of see some facial movements and you get a, mm-hmm. you get emotion from it. It's not just like a like a, a, a bad mask that he puts on. Right. There's actually there's a lot of there's a lot to it, which makes total sense because that costume was designed by Rick Baker. Rick Baker has won the Academy Award for best makeup a record seven times. Wow. Beginning when he won the inaugural award in 1981 for a little film called American Werewolf in London. Oh, he okay. worked on that. Yeah. Besides that, he worked on Harry and the Hendersons. Mm. He worked on Coming to America. You know Eddie Murphy becoming the white Jewish right. guy. Yeah, this dude, uh, the Nutty Professor. When Eddie Murphy has to become a big fat guy. Right. Uh, Men in Black, which has a whole bunch of awesome stuff to it. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The Jim Carrey that character. Mm-hmm. Um, the 2000s abomination planet of the apes um on those things he also worked on the makeup of robert downey jr in tropic thunder (laughs) turning him into a black guy he also worked on batman forever which i guess maybe tommy lee jones is a half face Mm -hmm. for two-face probably and he also maybe most famously out of all of that that i just mentioned his most famous makeup work he did thriller for michael jackson oh oh wow so this guy is the top of his field yeah so yeah, I, no no doubt that I, I I honestly probably because of that I would have wished there would have been more freaks just because mm-hmm. like damn if we could have gotten more Rick Baker um, makeup that would have been even better but 
All right. I mean, this show. Rick, ba- Rick Baker's already like won an Academy Award at this point. If he's doing a TV show, they probably yeah. could only afford him the one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So, um, yeah, this is it's a fantasy romance, very soap opera feel. It, yeah, I got with very this one. much so. Yeah. Very hyper dramatic side of it. Um, I thought it was fucking cheesy. <laughs> the music, oh my god, the music was cheesy. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, so I watched I I watched episode one, and it's kind of weird at first seeing Linda Hamilton, and I think they they grew her character into a bit more of like the the hard ass tough bastard, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, she was very she's still an independent female, but she was very soft. Um, and then you know, episode one is pretty intense. At one point, she gets abducted, beaten possibly raped and left in a park to die. That's where Vincent finds her, takes her down to the world below to heal. And they kind of, they bond and all this kind of shit down there. Mm-hmm. After that, she does start taking like some self-defense classes and things like that. So she's toughening up because she doesn't want that situation to happen to her again. Uh, totally understandable. Yeah. But you see, you see that kind of bond, you see their relationship and it is, it's just very fantasy, very cheesy romance between them. I watched episode one. I had zero desire to hit continue for episode two. I will say it was, Oh my God. I was so bored by the end of episode one. First one is rough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you jumped over to a Georgia R. Martin one. Could you tell us a little bit about that? How did that go? So I watched one from the second uh, season. I think it was called my brother, something brother, Mm -hmm. which was about, uh, uh, this one guy who I guess at some point was with them in the in the in the underworld. I don't know. I f- forget what they call it. Yeah, the world. Um, the world below. I the think. world below. Um, actually, so he talks about growing up with Vincent. Like they grew up as friends together when they were kids. And um, but he he left and he had joined a circus or whatever as like a knife thrower. And so I guess there's this guy who you can tell he's got some sort of like elephantitis. Like that's okay. Like on his face and stuff like that. He's already a big guy. I guess he's being mistreated by his brother, and so he brings him down. Because the, the the whole I mean the one thing I will say is they did a good job. They tied in the issues that this guy I forget what the guy's name was the the guy with elephantitis uh-huh. uh, was basically caged by his brother, and so there's the dynamic there, and then the dynamic with the other guy. I think his name is Devin. With Vincent, who they acted like they were, you know, they thought of each other as brothers um, and feeling betrayed. So they actually did a good job of tying in the theme, mm-hmm. but it was still cheesy as shit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was very, very soap opera-y. Um, and this was, I looked on a list of like the best episodes of this mm-hmm. one. And, and this one was like, I think it was like number seven, but I okay. decided on that one because I saw George R. R. Martin was the main writer. Yeah. For that episode. So I was like, all right, well, I got to watch this one. And you're right. After I watched that episode, I was like, I have no desire to watch any more of this. <laughs> it, it was very slow and, and yeah. I maybe uh, maybe needed a half hour. Yeah, that would have absolutely would have helped. I mean, a half hour drama, I can I can I can handle that. Mm-hmm. You don't always need the whole hour. I You know, I think nowadays they would do better. I didn't watch 
any of the C. I've never watched any of the CW one. Honestly, I couldn't remember that that actually was ever a thing. But it's yeah, a I CW. Mean, seven, it's, seven it's, episodes. It's, it's not. I don't feel like the CW is aimed at me <laughs> as an audience. Yeah, this this that kind of style. If they amped it up and made it a little bit younger, sexier, which is I'm sure what they did. Right. Um, it kind of fits. But no, nah, man, no, nah, this is just not doing now. I don't know why. I don't imagine you showed this to your kids only because no, this is not like that. that thing. I, I don't know why. Could did, has, did you, has your wife seen this? I feel like she would have digged this show. She I, she recognized it when I started watching it, but I don't think she stuck around to watch it. Okay. I don't think it was the thing she was into. I think my son stuck around one time. I was, I was watching the um, the Martin episode. Uh-huh. And I think he was just bored and needed something to do, so he came in and watched it with me. And I remember uh-huh. having to kick him out because he was getting squirrely because he didn't. He was like, he just wanted to play, and I'm like, no, 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 yeah. I have to actually watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, uh, I like I said, I I like the idea if they could like adult it up a little bit, you know, yeah. make it. It, they don't have to necessarily make it turn into a horror or anything like that, but you know, make it a little bit more serious. Yeah. You know, more more action, more serious, faster pacing, all of that would have helped. Like make it like an HBO miniseries. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. That'd be you cool. know, 10 episode run or 9 episode run or something like that. I could see that, but Yeah. As it as it is, I will probably never. I mean, it's it's cool it's in the nostalgia. I like the idea. I will probably never watch this again. Yeah. Uh I I am 100% with you on that. So far, this episode has kind of been a <laughs> been a flat of yeah, I just never again. Yeah, that's that. actually you know what was more disappointing than the show? Hmm. What's the theme song? From the moment I saw her, she captured my heart with her beauty, her warmth, and her courage. I knew then, as I know now, she would change my life forever. He comes from a secret place, far below the city streets, hiding his face from strangers, safe from hate and harm. He brought me there to save my life. And now, wherever I go, he is with me in spirit, for we have a bond stronger than friendship or love. And although we cannot be together, we will never, ever be apart. Oh man, yeah, that, that was really. It's not even a theme song; it's the intro. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing there. I, yeah, it was. Ugh, yeah, the music itself was just—it's so soap so, opera. So, That's so, exactly so it is. It was. It was terrible. All right. Yeah. Never again. Beauty and the Beast. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Once upon a time, there lived the most beautiful princess. Sleeping Beauty Barbie, as lovely as can be. Then one day, a witch put a spell on her that made her fall into a deep, deep sleep. Close, close, closing her eyes. Now only a prince can wake her. Her pillow plays their song. Prince Ken hears the music. He goes to save her. 
and with his kiss, she opened, opened, opened her eyes, now sleeping beautifully, as lovely as can be, live forever after, happily. Sleeping Beauty Barbie doll has eyes that open and close when you move her arm in a musical pillow. Ken dolls hold separately. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be doing a casting for the comic book series Fables. This is probably the one, the point I'm most looking forward to yes! in this entire episode. <laughs> and I know you are too, yeah. Finally, something I'm excited about. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, I didn't do a whole ton of research on most of the characters for I think a good reason one I I've read the first book the first okay. the first volume or the first storyline I guess I haven't gotten any farther so most of these characters I only have a, a small introduction to some of them I didn't know anything about so I okay. tried really hard not to do too much research because I didn't want to spoil too much for when I if I read it down the line oh okay so if I mention these characters you don't want me to spoil much I mean, some some things you've already spoiled. Yeah. So I, it, probably the most important one has, was spoiled to me before I even started reading the series. Okay. So it probably doesn't matter. Okay. But I, I mean, I just I didn't want to accidentally run into anything. So okay. um, my knowledge of these characters is going to be sort of base level. So my my castings will probably. I'm not sure that they'll be bad castings, but they're mostly going on a very base knowledge of the character and the look, and that's it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely went with look for a lot of my stuff, but I mean, I know mm. these characters better than you because I've read quite a bit of the series. Yeah. Uh, very excited about this. And there's there's so many character characters in the Fable series yeah. that it was it's tough to, to honestly, we went down to like eight or something, um, even that is tough because characters that we've already talked about, even in this episode, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, they're all pretty strong episodes. Cinderella is actually like a badass spy. She's really cool in the Fable series, so we could have cast her. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, are, they're, they're basically just, they're awesome. I like them, actually. They're, they're very nice. They're a good couple. They, they kind of... They, um, they were kind of a bickering couple in the, in the, in the yes. one series that I read them in. They are kind of a bickering couple, but you get to see them a little bit more when Prince Charming kind of, he kind of kicks out Bigby and Snow White and gives their jobs to Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. And so, but, but not in like a bad way. I don't, there's no real uh, animosity between Bigby and uh, Beast and Snow mm-hmm. White and, um, uh, and Beauty. Beauty, but yeah, but there is still just interesting storylines that happens with that. So. Okay. So, but we, so we, but we're not casting any of those. No. So the characters will do it and I'm I'm going to I'm going to lean on Adam to kind of explain the characters as we go along. At least their role in the fables story. Yeah. Good. Uh we're going to do Bigby, Snow White, Prince Charming, Jack Horner, Geppetto, Boy Blue, Rose Red, and Frau Totenkinder. I love yes. that name. Yes. Mrs. Dead Kids. Mrs. Dead Kids. Yes, <laughs> Totenkinder is German for dead children. <laughs> God. So let's start with Frau Totenkinder. Okay. So tell tell us a little bit about like what her role is in the story. This is actually a character I had no knowledge of. Okay. She she becomes a pretty damn important character. She is. Um, they'll mention in the book series. They mention uh, like the witches and the and, and the wizards of the the thirteenth floor, I believe. And I think it's the thirteenth floor. It could be some. Something now different. they anyway. all they all kind of live in like a building in New York, don't they? All these yes. fable characters. They do. They live in a building in New York, and it's kind of like they—they're protected by some of the magic. Um, now, 
the people who live in New York are really the only people who can get by being mostly human. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some exceptions, obviously, with that. So they have this whole farm in upstate New York is where, like, the more the non-human, like the, the animals that like talk. Like the three little pigs. And- yes, exactly. Um, all, like, the three blind mice, even, like, um, all, all of that kind of stuff. Charlotte of Charlotte's Web and that kind of shit. All of them and Wilbur and that kind of live up in, in the farm because you know, mm-hmm. so they can't they can't live in New York and, you know, and and kind of get by in the Mundy world. And that's what right. they call the Mundies, which are the regular people, the mundane, right. if you will. And these are fables. And all of the fables here come from like this, you know, kind of another universe, if you will, or another world that is based off of human fables. So they're all there's all some kind of tie in to fairy tales or fables or something or, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of like folklore. So uh, like fra- I'm I'm taking it to mean like anytime something was created on Earth as like a fairy tale, it was created in reality in this sort of dimension. Would you say? Yes. yes kind of I like the never-ending story almost. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar to that. Okay. I absolutely I would agree with that. Um, and there's even there's even like a little aspect as to how popular you are in the fairy tales on Earth is how kind of powerful you can be from the other world or oh, that wow. kind of thing. Um, and so. There have even been characters that you are pretty much immortal and will never. Well, one, they all have immort- immortality to an mm-hmm. extent, but there's characters who can die and come back if they are so popular or or they get gain popularity again um, that they will kind of come back to life. Kind of. Okay. Um, because, yeah, I mean, just another comic way to rewrite people coming back to life. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. All right. So Frau Totenkinder. Frau Totenkinder, she's the leader of the magi- uh, magicians in Fable Town um, and just of the fables. She's super powerful. She is kind of the collective of any unnamed evil witch in fairy tales. So think like Hansel and Gretel, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. She was that evil witch. There's a whole bunch of like evil witches that just aren't really kind of just known as the evil witch. Um, I think the Snow White evil witch, same thing. She's oh, okay. I think she that was her or something like that. So Frau Totenkinder is kind of that that collective. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, she's old. She's a badass. She's not really, she's, I wouldn't call her evil in the show or sorry, not in the show, but in the fables Mm -hmm. storyline, but she's, she definitely was pretty damn evil back in like the, 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 in their world. Right. Well, and that's going to be true of at least another character where they were evil in the, in their world, but in our world, they've kind of changed up. True. And you get a lot of interesting dynamics between people because, (laughs) you know, now all the fables have to work together because they were kicked off of their homeworld because of this big character called the adversary who is and, and like the empire is taken over. Mm-hmm. And so they had to leave. And so now they're all kind of working together. And so a lot of people m- mistrust some of these quote unquote characters that were evil back in the day. Right. So, um, uh, I guess I'll go first then on who sure. I cast. Um, so it, 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 on some of the pictures I looked at, it looked like she could kind of de-age herself. Is that right? Uh, she, I mean, she has... She's magical it, power. It, it, she can make herself look however she super wants. Super magical power. Okay, powers, cool. Yes. I, I always and mostly see her as an elderly lady, but she can pretty much do whatever the fuck okay. she wants. So I actually didn't go the elderly route, but I did go the kind of middle-aged route. So I kind of picked okay. like... Because I saw photos of her in like three different stages. So I just kind of picked the middle one. I, you know, with a name like Frau Totenkinder, um, I <laughs> went straight to my short knowledge of German actresses and I went with uh, one of my favorites which is Franca Potente 
Oh shit! Uh, she was in. Um, yeah, Lola Rent. Lola Rent. Uh, she was in. Um, oh, uh, Jason. What the Born? The first one, the Born Identity. Yeah. And then briefly in the second one. Spoiler. It's, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I've never seen any of the Borns, so I don't. Really? Know. Yeah. They're pretty good. Okay. They're pretty good movies. Is it, it's it's because it's Matt Damon, isn't it? Matt Damon. I was waiting for it there. <laughs> uh. You know what? She actually has like the body type to kind of she kind of be kind of frail. And if you wanted to go older with her, you could just put on some. You can age some makeup on her. Yeah, absolutely. Call Rick Baker and put on an old mask, and actually she would have a really good look. And I kind of like how you went the German route with her on this one. Oh, she even did some stuff on American Horror Story. I believe it. Okay, uh, I think that's a really interesting, cool call, and I like the German route. Okay, cool. Awesome. I was just happy. I was like, oh, I finally have something I could put Franca Patente on. Yeah, yeah, why not? Um, I went with the old route, mm-hmm. old oldie McOldson route. <clears throat> this this actress, though, is freaking awesome. So, yeah, I want to say, I really, I, honestly, I fucking love the Frank and Potenta route. I oh. think that's really cool. Okay, really cool. Really cool. I ended up going with someone who I've never seen be evil or have those evil aspects to her. Personally, mm-hmm. I've never seen it, but I haven't seen everything she's done because she's done lots of stuff. But the last time we saw her wielding magic, she was really cool, really awesome. And I went with Maggie Smith as my Frau Totenkinder. I think she could be a – I'd love to see her kind of be evilized a little bit. Yeah. I mean, actually, I could totally see that. She's She she could totally do it. She's getting up there, though. She is. She was born in 34, so that's what, 86? Yeah. Yeah, that's 86. So we got to make this movie pretty fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's still acting, so. Yeah, she was, I mean, she was doing Downton Abbey stuff. Uh, well, I was up and down five years ago when that ended. Right. Um, but they, well, they made a movie. They, yeah, so they made year. a movie. And then she did yeah. that Harry Potter stuff, but that was a, that ended a while back. That, yeah, you kind of forget how long ago. Uh, 2011 <laughs> was the last movie. That was nine years ago. We're coming up on a decade <laughs> after the end of Harry Potter. And it really doesn't feel like it because it's still in the zeitgeist. Yeah. It's weird to think. Didn't the first movie come out like in like 99 or something like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The first one was 99. See, I didn't even I, I didn't even become aware of the series until like the third movie came oh, out. Oh, never mind. It was two thousand and one. My bad. I thought I could have sworn oh, okay. it was ninety nine, but the Sorcerer's Stone says two thousand and one on on her IMDb. Right. So Maybe the book came out in ninety nine. Could have been. Okay, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oddly enough, I've never read the first two books. Um, I I read them all, and they were all good. But the, I mean, obviously, as an adult, later on, the later books get so much more. Oh interesting. yeah. To me, three, four, and five are the best ones. Yeah. Five, probably yeah. in reverse order. Five being the best, four being really good, and third being the third best. And then I didn't particularly okay. like six or seven. Okay. I just didn't enough, like yeah. what she did with the story. And then I, yeah. I saw the movies for one and two, and I was like, they're very kind of childish, so I'm not going to bother reading <laughs> reading Fair, the first yeah, two they, books. Yeah, they really... Anyway. They, exactly. Even the writing was, so. Number five. Um, number five is my favorite book. Not my favorite movie. But, oh, yeah. yeah okay. Same. Same, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So let's go on to Rose Red who um, is related to Snow White. Uh, they're yep, twins. So younger sister. Oh, younger sister. Oh, wait. Are they twins? I thought. Well, I think in the maybe in the fables they're twins because actually there is the Snow White fable or the story, but then there's also a story um, in in the, uh, I think the Grimm's fairy tales is where oh, it comes right. from. Yeah. In fables, it is the fraternal twin sister. Uh, whatever yeah. it was, I, I'm sure I knew that, but in my head, I always still had like a younger sister. Well, she certainly acts like a younger sister. 
Yeah. In the book, and even in the the one story I read. Yeah, and, um, that, and that's probably and that's probably exactly she she's the party girl. Yeah. She's she's kind of the I don't know. Well, well, she was you know girlfriend to Jack Horner, who is definitely gonna we'll we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, but ne- but eventually she kind of does spend most of her time at the farm. Uh, she starts running the farm and she kind of like settles down and she kind of calms down a little bit. Um, but she, I, I always had younger sister vibes, even though yes, it is the twin and yeah, that's right. But I don't know. I'd probably turn it into younger sister as opposed to twin because twin doesn't make any sense. To yeah. Me. So what they actually did is they kind of merged two stories here because there is the uh, brothers Grimm version of Snow White, which is the Disney version that we think of. Um, okay. But then there was another German fairy tale called Snow White and Rose Red about two ah. sisters. And so they've actually merged these two different fairy tales into these characters. So Snow White in this book represents both stories. Oh, okay. Cool. Even though they are different Snow Whites? Yeah, even though they're different Snow Whites. Okay, cool. All right, I, I like that. I mean, they do a lot of that kind of stuff where they, they will play with things. Yeah. Um, even, like, even like with Frau Totengender, you know, she's the, the singular witch who is been in a bunch of different stuff so cool yeah um why don't you start us off on rose red sure so rose red red hair definitely gotta have that i i had younger sister vibes and in my film it would be a younger sister gotta have someone who has all that spunk and who i think could absolutely kind of play that sassy kind of you know however you wanted to play it Mm -hmm. uh and this character red hair has done just that in uh, Game of Thrones, I went with Rose Leslie, who played Egret. Oh, in, that's uh, a good call. That's a good yeah. call. I like that. It just, it just really fits the style. So yeah. 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 No, I like that a lot. I also went with a, a redhead, because I just okay. thought you had to. Um, <laughs> and in truth, probably you picked... I've never, I've never seen this actress play a character similar to Rose Red, not as sassy. Um, uh, Leslie Rose definitely, I think, fits the bill exactly. So I think you yeah. nailed it on the head with that one. Um, but she's still a good actress. And we, I mean, we have seen the range of things she do, she can do, and it's it's so weird to think of her as, as, a, as this one character that she's probably the most known for because I always think of her as this sort of uh, fun-loving not bubbly, but kind of upbeat companion to the doctor. I went with Karen Gillan. Oh yeah. I mean, we like, we both like her quite a bit. I think we've both used her probably multiple times each. And I actually think I saw her picked for a couple different fan casts as well. And she, she, I, she can do it. We love, we love our Karen Gillan. I think she could do it. I really do think that Rose Leslie is the, is the better call. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and if they came down and and I found out Karen Gillan was the choice, that would never would never be upset. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to the next character, who I actually know very, very little about, because he only appears in the first story for a short bit, and he's pretty much just sort of like the janitor. If he's not the janitor, he's certain sort of like doing janitorish things. Yeah, Flycatcher is actually the janitor. Yes. Um, yes. Fly and Flycatcher, you know, another. He, he actually he has a great story arc with him. God damn. Uh, but no need. But yeah, Boy Blue. He's kind of I don't know. He's he he'll do whatever is needed. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of as a smaller part. It's like an he assistant. Much, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Assistant. Perfect way. He's one of the few people who actually get Buffkin to do what he wants. Buffkin's like this um, flying monkey. Uh, mm. Who is a drunk? Fly, he's a he's an alcoholic flying monkey. <laughs> who um, 
who uh, runs, I think, the, the library or something like that. And so uh, he helps with that thing, I think. But he's obviously kind of childish. He, you know, little boy blue, blow your horn. So he's like, he's, he's got his little trumpet or whatnot. But boy blue becomes integral to the storyline when we get a little bit later with facing the adversary. Okay. He ultimately becomes one of my favorite just badass characters when he's brandishing the witching cloak and this thing called the Vorpal Sword and he's just going around honestly laying waste to the Empire at one point and just he's he's freaking awesome. Cool. Um so you gotta go with a character or an actor who has some boyish looks. But yeah. for me I really I really tied to being able to kind of do some sword work and some stuff like that just because of it's the it's the route I know I want to take mm-hmm. with the character. So I ended up going, he's not a blonde, but actually well, he's been blonde in a couple things. And specifically, I'm talking about when he played a character in the Shannara Chronicles, which was a kind of a short-lived fantasy show. And so I think that would transfer pretty well to this kind of movie or show or whatever I'm doing. I went with an actor named Austin Butler. He's got he's got work in the fantasy genre. He's even was carrying a sword in some of the stuff that I've seen. So I think... He could get the job. He's not as boyish as I would want Mm look-wise. He's almost 30 now. Um, That's not that old, honestly. But I think with the dyed blue hair and you can kind of, you know, put the makeup on, make sure he's fully shaved, it could get the job done for me. Okay. I know nothing of this guy. I don't recognize. I mean, I I haven't, I don't think I've seen anything he's been in. I haven't even seen Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have, which I have. And and I do remember his character... um, Text or whatever in in that one. He's kind of douchey. He's definitely douchey in uh, Once Upon a Time. Um, he looks like but, he'd play a good douche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does have that. He's kind of got some greasy hair for some of it. But yeah, the Shannara okay. Chronicles is exactly what made me go okay. towards uh, my thought, and I think it has a very similar look. Okay, so. cool. Okay. Uh, I definitely sort of honed in on the sort of boyish look. Okay. Um, so I definitely went with a, a little bit of a younger actor who's probably in their early 20s. I didn't get an exact age, but I'm imagining uh-huh. they're in their early 20s. So, And uh, he's done a few different things. He had a very short stint on the Girl Meets World TV series. Oh, yeah. Spinoff. Yeah. But the thing that I actually haven't even seen it, but the thing that probably proved to me that he had the action chops to do something like this was his run in Cobra Kai, and that is the actor Tannen Buchanan. Tanner, excuse me, Tanner Buchanan. Oh, uh, yeah. One of us, I can't remember if it was I that used him. It was probably he you, because I don't boy- think I've ever used him. Yeah, you know, I think yeah, I did use him, and actually I used the other Cobra Kai guy, um, Miguel Zolo, uh, whatever. Um, I used them in, in the same casting, just different roles. <laughs> oh. He is boyish good looks, for sure. Uh, he's got some action stuff to him. I like that one better than mine, John. That's a good call. Okay, cool. I'll take yeah. that. I mean, I saw yeah. some of the photos of him in Cobra Kai. And I'm like, well, he's obviously doing some fighting in Cobra Kai, so he is. He's got the action chops. Uh, he's got the boyish good looks. So yeah, I'm loving Cobra Kai. Uh, I'm excited for season three to come out in January. So uh, I, I'm definitely a fan. I'm, cool. I'm all cool with this one. All cool with this one. Cool. All right, Are we, we're moving on, right? Okay. We're moving on. Yeah. I'm all right, Geppetto. Lovely old Geppetto. Everyone loves Geppetto. Yes, yeah, so we all remember the Pinocchio movie. He's such a nice little old man. He just he just wants to make a little, you know, he wants a little boy. Yeah. Not so much in, in this case. 
at least from <laughs> what you've told me. Yes. So he is part of the Fable groups. He is. Um, he's there. Well, I guess afterwards they kind of maybe keep him not not quite hostage, but they keep an eye on him. But the big spoiler twist at one point, Geppetto is the is the adversary. The adversary is a big puppet, and it's Geppetto who has been running as like the you know the empire and all that. He's like the big bad. He, yeah. he is the Palpatine. I have will. so many questions that I want to ask, but I'm not going to because I want to. I want them revealed in the story when I get there. Okay. So because I I, I want to know so many things about this. So, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask. Okay. So I'm gonna go ahead and jump in. I don't like I said. I haven't actually come across Geppetto yet, so I don't know anything about his personality. So I just decided I was gonna go with an older actor who I've seen play really, really nice, and I've seen mm-hmm. play really kind of devious. Okay. I don't think I'll get a, blo- a lot of blowback from you just because I know you appreciate the actor. He may or may not be a good fit depending on the character. Like I said, I'm going basically just kind of on the fact that it's Geppetto. I'm not really, I don't know the character yet. But, I mean, this guy is a legend. I went with Brian Cox. Oh, Brian Cox is a legend. I've seen him do, yeah, right, all kinds of stuff. I've seen him play funny, serious, good, bad. I I mean, I've seen the guy run the gamut. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to shit on, I, he's, he's a little rounder than I would want. Yeah. It's the only thing, he, <laughs> and that, but that's just, that's just cause I have the comic right. in my head. So, uh, I, but, but when it comes to acting chops, dude, awesome. Okay. I didn't so. figure I was going to get any blowback from you just from that. I knew he yeah. didn't quite look cause I did look at a photo. I was like, well, he doesn't really look like him, but I don't know. To me, you don't really need it to look like, you know, I don't think he has a distinctive enough look. You know, if we're casting somebody like Wolverine, you got to have somebody who's got that look (laughs) to them. We're getting a Bigby later who is kind of similar looks even. Kind of. uh, Yeah. Kind of. James Hallett. So, So, all right. Cool. Who'd you go with? All right. uh, Yeah. I went with somebody who I'm not expecting much blowback from you because I'm pretty sure you appreciate this guy's acting as well. I've seen him. I'd be pretty nice, but also definitely pretty jealous and angry um, on, in the same movie, even. He is older. I wanted that older kind of vibe, mm-hmm. similar with you, or what, I, what you got to have for Geppetto. Uh, this actor has played a, a fantastic, I guess you can call him villain, but just an amazing film. He did win an Oscar for it. He's more recently known in the film Grand Budapest Hotel, but I'll always remember him as Salieri in the movie Amadeus. I went with F. Murray Abraham as my Geppetto. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I like I would, that. I wasn't expecting you to hate it. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to shit on him. He's a great actor. Yeah, he's a he's a great actor, and and I could totally see him playing sort of the 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 older sort of lonely doll maker type yeah. type character guy. Yeah, I like absolutely. that. I think that's kind of an unexpected pick, but I I really like where you went with that. Okay. Cool. 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 All right. Excited. Jack Horner, who's another another kind of amalgamation character. Yeah, uh, where he's 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 little Jack he's, Horner. He's also Jack in the Beanstalk. Jack in the Beanstalk. Yeah, yep. And you, this was one from that you did rate. You did read a little bit of Jack Horner, uh, right in your in the first book. Yeah, because he he was one of the main characters in the first book because yeah. he gets accused of possibly um, murdering Rose Red. Oh, yeah, they faked their death. They were trying to get some like 
there he's a schemer yeah all right i'll just little little spoiler alert for everybody jack horner and then rose red a little bit early on yeah schemer he went he's in it for a quick buck you know he's uh he's just he does whatever he can you know he wants to he's he's he wants to do get as much as he can for doing as little as possible yeah he did he did have his own spinoff series does he have does he does he have any kind of power does he like a like a really fast runner or something not that not that i remember okay because i for some reason i got the impression that he was like some sort of speedster I, I I don't remember. It has been a while since I've read the series. Okay, but maybe it was just the impression I, I got from the from the book, yeah. and that okay. wasn't actually the case. So, uh, all right, who did you go with for Jack Horner? Sure, um, I wanted somebody. You need somebody who can kind of look good, um, and you know, yeah, just kind of be not smarmy, but like you know, uh, my actor though has he has actually played much more innocent than anything else. But I think he's got a good look that I want for my Jack Horner. Um, especially if you clean him up, he is what I've seen him in. He's been a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit dirty, a little bit more, um, blacksmithy because he was a blacksmith in the show. I went back to game of Thrones partly because maybe because of, I had George R. R. Martin on my mind with the beauty <laughs> and the beast show that we talked about earlier, but he's got a good look to him. I think he fits the Jack Horner style. Now acting wise, it's gotta be a different than the character I've seen him, right. but he played Gendry. I went with Joe Dempsey as my Jack Horner. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, you look at him though. Yeah, I think he's good. I like it. Okay, Jack. I'm kind of you know what? I'm kind of like I don't. For as much as I read about Jack Horner, I don't think I really know. I didn't attach myself to that character as much in the story. So to honestly, in my mind, you could probably have anyone, and I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Fair enough. Well, he, Jack even got his own spinoff series, and I'm, I'm with you. I was never a big Jack Horner fan. I never cared about him, but he had his own separate series called Jack of Fables, and it's like, I never read any of those, but it's like, <laughs> who's loving this character so much that he needs to have his own book? So, well, so I mean, I don't I don't hate it. I I, I loved Joe Dempsey on Game of Thrones, and mm-hmm. but I'm just not as passionate about that character, so I... Okay, I'm I'm trying to not make it sound like I'm shitting on you. I'm just like I'm yeah, I'm just yeah, kind yeah. of apathetic to the to the character Fine. to begin with. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, which I I maybe kind of played into my choice because I kind of just I got this one guy in my head and I was like, I finally was like, all right, I think he could play it. Whether or not he okay. really can or can't, I don't I don't know. Um, but I picked a guy who I don't know is I can't remember is Jack Corner kind of like gangly or is he like more built no i mean no, he's i mean he's average i would okay. i mean okay I, I would say he's leaner okay than he is jacked. so i went with it because i went for some reason i got it in my head that he needed to be a leaner character so i okay. went with a leaner actor that's cool um and he's he's done a few things uh he's he he was in a couple of the hunger games movies but i don't remember his character by the name so it's definitely not one of the more main ones but I am loving his stint on the boys and the fact that his name is Jack does help. I went with son of two legendary uh, actors. I went with Jack Quaid who plays Huey Uh, on the boys. I I am just starting the boys. Um, I'm like two episodes in. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing his, seeing his face around. Okay. I like that. Look, I like his look, and I don't know enough about I don't know about enough about his character. Oh yeah, he's, he's the main character. He's the main guy, guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Okay, I needed to see his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. I like him. And okay. So far in the two episodes I've seen, I like him. Okay, cool. 
he doesn't he doesn't play a very his dead girlfriend's hands in the boys <laughs> episode one yeah he doesn't play a very like strong character no he's always kind of second guess himself but I mean, if if you're the if you're the son of uh, of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, I'm pretty sure you're yeah. probably got some acting chops. Yep, I, re- <laughs> I remember John when we were doing our inner space episode. Uh-huh. I was talking about like, oh man, Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid are both such good looking people. I w- you know I wish they would have like gotten together and had a kid. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, well, it didn't never happened. And then like way later in the episode, I found out, oh shit, they were married. Oh shit! They did have a kid. <laughs> yes, because I told you. Yeah, because I looked it up. It yeah, it's ridiculous. But um, and he's not as beautiful as I thought he would be, but he's still a good-looking guy. <laughs> he's not '80s Dennis Quaid good-looking. Correct. Correct. But he's he's got his but, own charm. Yeah, definitely his own charm, and I'm sure plenty of the charm that is going to be needed for someone who's kind of a con man uh, like Jack Horner is. Yes. So good call. So speaking of charm. Ooh, that ter- I see what you did that there. moves us yeah. on to our next character, uh, Mr. Prince Charming. Yes. All right. So, um, at so old King Cole is the original f- uh, mayor of Fabletown. At one point, Prince Charming runs against him and wins. Um, Prince Charming is very narcissistic. That hardly seems fair. It's, it <laughs> seems fair. Yeah. Um, he's very narcissistic, Prince Charming. He's been married to like everyone. Snow White. Well, yeah, pretty much everyone. Snow White at one point. I think Briar Rose, who is who is uh, Sleeping Beauty, um, and uh, Cinderella, I think, are all exes of his. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's definitely a douche at some point to aspects to him. Yeah, but there's also he's also a good guy at some point. And I will say, all I'm going to say is he goes out like a champ. Okay, that's all I'm going to say because he's a total douche in the first <laughs> in the first yeah. book. Does he but have he like a, out- does he have like a like a power like a charming power? Uh, they don't go into that that I remember. Okay, because they kind of they kind of hint that he has like this yeah. ability to charm, like be. like it's a superpower or something. Yeah, I mean maybe that's that is part of his thing. That totally could make sense. Um, but yeah, all I want to say is he goes out like a fucking champ. Okay. So and I and I I, I do remember really being like, oh man, to- totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> so. Uh, all right. Uh, so yeah. uh, I'll start us off with this. Um, I, I had one guy in for a while until I switched it to another guy who I think fit the character that I remembered reading a little bit better. My initial, and I don't know what you'll think of this, but my initial one was, oh, Henry Cavill's a good looking dude. I'll put him as Prince Charming. He made my short list actually of like the five names I have written in front. Henry Cavill is one of them. Yeah. So he was the one I originally had. And then I was like, I don't. I want something a little bit different. Yeah. And I decided to go and I don't actually know how tall Henry Cavill is. He seems tall. He seems tall, yeah. But I definitely with I ended up going with a guy who I'm pretty sure is pretty tall and I think just has more of that prince charming look mm-hmm. and that charm per se. <laughs> um and I don't expect any blowback from you cuz I know you love this guy and we've used him before but I don't really care for this cuz this is not like a Marvel casting or anything else like we've done. I went with Army Hammer. Oh yeah, he absolutely has that look. Yeah, and I wouldn't say I love Army Hammer, but he has this he has the a comic book look to it. Yeah. And I you know what? He does for if you're not getting Henry Cavill, um who I didn't go with. Yeah. But um he he is a good substitute. Okay. Who I still stand by should be our next Cyclops. 
he has the perfect 90s Cyclops look to him, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Okay, I'm cool, cool with that. Uh, this actor is a good looking dude. I think actually has a similar, he's not as, I don't think he's as tall. I don't think he's as built as army hammer is, but he's got a a similar face look to him. Now he has been in both magic Mike movies. (laughs) So that's a good sign that he can be built. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I never saw them, so I don't know how built he is in them. You probably know this guy best. I went really off of the credits that I saw and the look of him on his face. And I think he just has the look. You you probably know him better than I do because you're a fan of the show Doom Patrol. This guy plays negative man. I went with Matt Bomer. Oh. I think yeah. he could probably, he just looks like he could probably play that douchey. If he was doing Magic Mike, I bet he could kind of do the douchey feel. And he's a good looking guy. He is, a, he is definitely a good looking guy. I'm trying to remember what the other thing, I, I actually remembered him from something else. You sure it wasn't Magic Mike? It wasn't Magic Mike. It was something. <laughs> uh, Magic Mike uh, XXL? No. <laughs> no, I'm trying to remember. All right. I, let me see if I can find this. Because I remember seeing him in, oh, um, Chuck. He was in the TV show Chuck. Oh, oh yeah. I remember that. I mean, I never really saw the show Chuck, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I only saw a few, I saw, only saw a few uh, uh, episodes of it. But I definitely, like, I remembered his face okay. from the show. So, uh, but yeah, he's really awesome in Doom Patrol. Even though I actually, you don't really see his face yeah. at all. He's like fully bandaged. bandaged yeah, up, I mean, they, they show him in flashbacks. So you do see him okay. there. But uh, no, he's definitely a good look, good looking dude. I'm wondering if maybe I just had this thought. I wonder if we should have gone with uh, someone British for the charming accent. Oh, yeah, but the first name I had was Richard Madden, who actually I think played Prince uh, Prince Charming. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so well, that, I thought of that, but I, I've already used him before in other stuff. So I was okay. like, oh, I want someone different. No, so. I, I yeah, I'm fine with either one. I'm fine with either okay. one of those guys. I like Matt Bomer. Cool. I think either yeah, one of them could Army do it fine. Good too. Sounds good. Uh, all right. Snow White. Now, the two most difficult ones to cast I had were Snow White and Bigby. In fact, Bigby mm. took me forever. Um, and even then, I actually only boiled it down to, to two people, and I haven't quite decided yet which one I'm going to do. Yeah. So um, for Snow White, she's kind of like like the deputy mayor. I forget yeah, what her title she's is. Mayor. Yep, yeah, de- deputy mayor is correct. Deputy mayor, okay. So she's like she's kind of like second in command, but she's the one who most like deals with all of the crap. Yeah, King Cole is a lazy fuck. He doesn't do shit. Yeah. Really, Snow White runs the town. Yeah, honestly, or yeah. runs the building per se. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, they they they, <laughs> they start off in the building. They end up leaving uh, at some point because there's this whole battle with these wooden soldiers. It's crazy shit. Joe. Okay, <laughs> I'm excited so. to read it because it sounds like it's all kind of yeah. craziness. It is good. Um, so I didn't I didn't want to pick someone who like looked like snow white from from disney i didn't because yeah. she doesn't really look like that at least what i saw i mean no. she just looks like a, like a regular woman so i ended up going with uh this girl who i've only seen in a few things but she's she's kind of gaming gaining steam and i actually forget um i don't know for some reason in my head i think she's super young but she's not mm-hmm. she's in her 30s okay um but she's 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 a good-looking woman. Not that that really plays anything to Snow White, but I mean that does kind of play into the fairy tale things. I mean Snow White was the fairest one in the land. Yeah, and we've cast her before in various things, but most notably, you and I thought. In fact, I believe you and I and 
the dynamic drill brothers thought that she'd be the perfect rogue. I went with Alexandra uh, Daddario. Okay. I I interesting. I don't dis I don't dislike it, but I'm not I'm not gung ho. That's fine. But I, yeah. she hasn't been in anything that I know you've watched a lot, so I know yeah, your true. knowledge of her is probably probably about as much as mine. Yeah, I, I haven't even seen True Detective, which I know she's in. I think the only thing I've seen her in that I'm really knowing uh, is she was in an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. She plays. I mean, she's she's super attractive. Um, I really. I don't know about her acting ability because I just haven't seen it enough. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, I saw her in, in San Andreas. I don't know. Oh, you watched that piece of crap? I, I did at some point. I don't remember <laughs> why or how. I just remember. Actually, uh, I've never seen it all the way through in one sitting. I've seen like parts of it. Yeah. Here and there. I mean, she's, she's, I'm sure she's been, she's in so much stuff. I'm imagining she's got the chops. Yeah. I mean, she's um, been in American Horror Story. She was yeah. in Drew, Drew Detective. She actually got a lot of, Good press, I guess. A lot of praise yeah. for her work in True Detective. Okay. So probably I, it's probably not the most earth shattering um pick, but yeah. I liked her for it. Okay. No, I mean I yeah, I I bet she would do it just fine. Okay. And she's a she's a bigger name than what I went with. Okay. Um I, I didn't go with huge names on my casting. Probably Maggie Smith is my biggest name. Yeah. Partly I don't know. I just I want I want. I would love for fables to kind of go along with everybody else. Like, get it going. Like, let's start. Let's get this moving. And I don't need like huge names. I want the stories to tell the yeah. tell everything, I, not just name. But I, she, I have to say, I don't. She wouldn't take. I don't think most of my people have. I think probably Brian no. Cox has been the biggest name. Yeah, and he and he wouldn't like take over anyway. And neither would Alexandra Daddario. Like, she's not. She's not like a box office draw. Like a right. I don't know. Sandra Bullock is she still a box office draw? I don't. I don't know. Uh, um, I don't know. Did you see that one? Bird box. Bird box. No, I mean that was Netflix, and I still I didn't watch it. She's she's not a draw for me. Yeah, <laughs> she's not a draw for me anymore. Maybe when I was like a teenager, yeah. but definitely maybe after yeah. I saw Speed. But after that, no. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I was looking through actresses, and I came across this uh, brunette actress, and I've seen her in The Artist, which was a uh, obviously a silent film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very. So her talking, I didn't get from that one. But then I saw she's been on a shit ton of the show. Yeah. She's been on 119 episodes of the show grim, which grim. I always thought was, I tried like the first couple episodes and I always thought it was kind of a ripoff of the fable series. Mm-hmm. And it kind of is. Uh, she played the character of uh, Eve in quite a bit of that show. Her name is Elizabeth Tulloch. And I think she would be a fantastic. I mean, she'd, Take all that knowledge of just fairy tale stuff that she's already done, transfer it to Snow White in Fables, and I think she'd do it. Um, she definitely has a little bit more of a kind of Snow White, yeah, look, look to, her, to her, at least on the pictures I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's been playing Lois Lane on the on the Arrowverse shows, so the oh, Supergirl, okay. Flash. Anytime Lois Lane appears, she's been playing Lois Lane. Gotcha. Which I haven't seen any of those. Okay. Yeah, I she's probably a better call well, with her. Uh, and yeah, with, she, with her credits, I guess. Yeah, different credits. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm actually so there's also a comic book series called Grimm's Fairy Tales. Uh huh. And I've been wondering. I didn't. I haven't looked it up yet. I wonder which one came out first, Fables or Grimm's? Because yeah. actually, Grimm's ran longer than I remembered. Uh, it's uh. it's definitely from like the early 2000s, I think. 
I don't know how long okay. Fables has been running out, though. Well, we have this thing called the internet. Yes, but uh, I hadn't looked it up. So, fa- Fables started in 2002, July of 2002. Okay. Grimm's Fairy Tale Comics, publication 2005. Okay. So three years, Fables beat it. Fables, okay. Uh, and I've read uh, both, and I'm actually really digging on some of the Grimm stuff. But like Grimm's for me has been very hit or miss. Uh, okay. Some of them have been pretty good. Some of them have just been horrible. Um, there was a run that was all focused on Peter Pan, which was which was a cool twist. That one I actually kind of liked. Then there was a, uh-huh. one on Wizard of Oz, which I read, which was absolute shit. <laughs> I remember you told me a little about the well, Peter Pan one. That did sound interesting. It, it, yeah, the the one about uh, Wizard of Oz, they hyper-sexualized all the female characters. Like, uh-huh. hyper. I mean, I got the feeling that the whole point of the Grimm's Fairy Tales comics was to hyper-sexualize all of these I'm, I'm looking at this one just picture of like a uh, Red Riding Hood yeah, 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 and yeah. a Big Bad Wolf, mm-hmm. and holy crap! I mean, you think some you see slutty little Red Riding Hoods throughout, <laughs> uh, like Halloween. Uh, Halloween. This this puts her to shame. Yeah, she puts all of them to shame. Yeah, and that one had like the worst writing and like horrible, like uh, horrible puns, <laughs> oh, like God. just bad. Um, and then, but like some of the f- beginning ones are like singular stories. It's a it's. Um, there's a couple of characters that I like out of there that I've actually followed that have had their own series, but, um, as a, as a whole world, I'm liking fables better. Okay. Um, I mean, that's one thing that I always appreciated about it. I always felt it was one of the better written mm-hmm. and, and probably story building because they do a great job of just building upon their own stuff and expanding where it sounds like the grim fairy tales might be like, here's a, here's an interesting little, like, you know, mini series. And then another one, I, I don't know. Um, but this one, they just kind of, they keep expanding and it is just good world building. So yeah. cool. Uh, all right. Uh, that's uh, all right. So we're on to our, our, our kind of, our, I would say main character. He was definitely the main yeah. character of the story I read. Yes. He, he, he is the main character in my opinion. Okay. So, um, I'm going to let you have last words since you're okay. But actually before we get into my pick, why don't you tell it like, who is Bigby? Like what? So Bigby, I love that big B. But we all just people just call him Big B. Um, he's the big bad wolf. So in this thing, in this comic, he can kind of transform into a big wolf or like a half wolf, half man kind of werewolf creature. Or he stays human most of the time. He kind mm-hmm. of is a. It's kind of like this big trench coat. He's kind of got you know, kind of not shaven. Kind of you know. He, kinda, he's looks, kind of like yeah. he's the he's like the resident sort of police detective. Yes, he is. He's the sheriff of uh, of this group um and he's just kind of a badass so he's got some definitely powers he's stronger he's he can you know he can heal himself pretty quickly not exactly like like wolverine but right um he has you know the the huff and puff so he can blow wind it's actually funny his father is the north wind um and so that's kind of how he got some of those wind powers oh okay um so that's there's this whole character the North Wind kind of comes in and whatnot and you learn that it's his dad eh, blah 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 blah, blah. Um, but yeah so he's he is the big bad wolf from Little Red Riding Hood and you get a lot of stuff a lot of the fables don't trust him early on uh, because he is just like this you know he's the villain he is a evil character back from back in the day right. but now they all have to like live together and so he's he's become the sheriff um, and there's a whole romance thing between him and Snow White mm-hmm. which I actually I, I quite like works really well. Uh, but yeah, but he is, he's a fucking badass. I fucking love Bigby. Cool. So, uh, I ran through a, la- a list of people who like kind of had that like sort of 
you know, detective look and I've seen in other, you know, shows. I thought Keanu, but he's a little bit yeah. older. Um, I thought Carl Urban, because he's doing a kind of a, a similar character to that in The yeah. Boys right now. Yeah. Um, His name is on my list of group of people I thought about, yeah. Carl Urban. Um, I, I thought of a few other people, but I boiled it down to two people, and I think I've decided which one uh, I want. Um, I I thought about this guy, but I think maybe he's not – I shouldn't say he's not gruff enough, but like he just – to me, he doesn't have that gruff look. He has, he has too much of a kind of boyish face. I was too not not necessarily too good looking, but too too pretty boy looking, I guess okay. is the best way. Um, but my first thought, and that's not the guy I'm going with, was Jensen Ackles. Oh from yeah, from the Supernatural, Supernatural plays Dean Winchester. Yeah. Um, he seemed like he, it seemed like that he, this would be the type of character that he could play yeah. pretty well. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but uh, the guy I'm going with. I think definitely has a better suited look for a Bigby. Um, I didn't go with a really, really big name. I went with a lesser known guy. He's doing a pretty good job playing the devil in the show Lucifer. I went with Tom Ellis, who's playing Lucifer in that show. Yeah. Uh, I definitely like the look of this guy. Absolutely think he can pull off the vibe that I would want. I haven't seen Lucifer at all, but I've heard good things about I it. I too. It keeps getting like moved and brought back because the the, the you know the audience is loving it. Uh huh. And yeah, just kind of looking through some of these pictures. That's a damn good call, John. Okay, yeah, cool. I like that. I will take. I will take that. He looks a little bit more cleaned up, obviously, in his Lucifer show because because the devil's got to be like you know yeah that that kind of always like in a three piece suit looking good. Right. But if you put him in a trench coat instead and kind of gruff him up, yeah. I think that's a, that's a good look. Okay, cool. I'll, I will take cool. that. Awesome. All right. So uh, I also didn't go with a really big name here. Uh, this is another TV actor who's done most stuff. Um, and I didn't really realize that Elizabeth Tullock is playing Lois Lane. So she may have acted uh, against this guy in like the legends of tomorrow or in, um, in, in any of those kind of, what are those shows? Who's the guy who does those shows? Uh, oh, God. S- something verse. Oh, I really should know that. Starts with a B, a B doesn't it? it? Real quick. Okay. Uh, Berlanti. Berlant, thank you. Yes, the Berlanti, Berlanti verse. verse. Um, all right. So this guy plays a character in that verse. He had his own show for a little bit of time, but I think it got canceled, but he's kept going on in the Legends of Tomorrow show. It's probably because he kind of already is somewhat gruff in that one. He's definitely more sarcastic, I think, with some of that stuff. He wears a trench coat the entire time, and so I think that's what did it right. for me. I went, I went with Matt Ryan, who plays Constantine. Yeah, uh, I actually he, he he did cross my mind. I actually don't particularly like him as Constantine. Uh, um, see, the dynamic duel guys I, have me convinced. I, I, I've never I know watched, but they love him. I know, um, and as much as I respect their opinion, like. A lot of times, I feel like they they they're too too letter of the word or too what is the letter of the law with it uh-huh. being exactly like that is in the comic books. Okay. Um, and I just I never I never grew, that guy never grew on me as his, like his Constantine never okay. grew on me. Fair I much the, I much preferred Keanu's Constantine, and I know Keanu yeah. it, Keanu is what he is, but I just yeah, I yeah. liked his like smarmy ass version. A little bit better, mm-hmm. and I know this guy is sarcastic, but I just I don't know. 
Okay. So, well, I mean, uh, we love Dynamic Duel. Yes, we do. But I actually, I, 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 the only thing that I'll kind of, I, I guess, what I'll add to it is, they're both homers for like such comic book stuff. <laughs> if there's anything that's a comic book, their media's, oh, it's amazing, it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever, I love it. And part of part of me is like, you know what? Sometimes comic book shows just suck, guys. <laughs> and like sometimes this thing is just stupid. And they're like, no, but it's so great. It's like, ugh. But I love them. <laughs> But yeah, but anyway, they kind of had me convinced with that stuff. He's got a good look to him. I don't like the bleach blonde hair of the Constantine. I don't either. I don't like the blonde at all. Yeah, but everything else I'm totally cool with. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, I can't argue with you. I mean, I actually didn't even have that thought. I was like, well, what about Matt yeah. Ryan? But I didn't. Well, it's funny. I mean, yeah, you thought him. You thought Keanu, who was also Constantine. We kind of had the trench coats yeah. going. <laughs> People who've already played characters who look like this. <laughs> yeah. So. That's cool. All right, cool. That was our casting of a Fables movie. Please join us next time for a super awesome episode. John and Adam are joined by Scott Barber and Adam Sweeney, directors of the documentary The Orange Years, The Nickelodeon Story, for their top 10 Nickelodeon shows. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.